This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Build Business Acumen Podcast, where we deliver practical knowledge and powerful guidance. Here is your futuristic host, Nathaniel Schooler. Sam Morhaime has helped startups create and deploy ideas into reality, from web and mobile applications to Internet of Things and everything in between. His skills have been applied in many industries like healthcare, marketing automation and financial technology for clients of all sizes from startups to fortune 500s and this is a really really interesting conversation that we have here well it's really great to speak to you samuel i'm quite interested to learn about what you've been up to after the after the uh, amazing startups you've been involved with over the last uh, few years thank you for having me my pleasure my pleasure so in, in business, obviously, I mean, I know we're going we're gonna to talk about digital transformation. We're going to talk about startups, right? But also FTSE 500s and stuff, because I know you've been involved in, in quite a bit of technology within those as well. But best place to start is probably resilience at work, because to building, you know, building any business or even starting a new job is tough, right? So we need to kind of uh, work really, really hard to not be depressed, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how, how do you do that? Definitely the, the mindset is extremely important. Um, I actually, you don't know this because we're, we're on a phone call, but I wear a bracelet for the last few months. It basically says be positive. And on the other side says no negativity allowed. And really every morning you have to wake up and, and have a fresh mindset and not let any, any obstacles or rejections throw you down so that you can continue doing the, the, the things that, that not are going to work. You need a lot of hope and a lot of um, vision to move your idea forward and be able to, to make it through until, until it gets fulfilled. And there is, there is no entrepreneur or no business in the world that hasn't had uh, a fair dose or even a, a, an amount dose of awareness. Um, so, so they need to always be positive and be extremely resilient in order to, to, to transform those ideas into reality. Yeah. Yeah. I'll agree with that. I talked to so many people at IBM and Microsoft and things like this. And a lot of the time they actually say that it's great to have someone who you can speak to someone who they might not be a mentor, they might not be a coach, but they might just be like a, an advocate of yours, for example, within the business or even just a friend you can talk to. I mean, I think that really can help, you know, Correct. Yes. And so it's different for, for entrepreneurs where uh, if, if, you're an, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an employee working in a company, you want to, to stand out, you typically, my experience um, has been to always find, like you said, not necessarily a mentor, but it's always having that, that person that has your back and that has your, your, your best interests in mind and you can rely on them. And it's like your internal um, uh, call not not colleague, but your your internal partner that can help you propel forward inside an organization. When you're an entrepreneur, you definitely need that because there's people that complain a lot about isolation, being alone, being you know uh, working seven days straight on the computer and, and not even seeing a, a, a you know anybody's faces. But it's extremely important to always have a, an external connection, even if it's a family member, or a friend, or hopefully um, a you know, a, a successful business uh, a person that can guide you and can at least check with you uh, every month or every quarter and make sure that you're being accountable for your, your goals and your objectives. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, actually, in another one of these uh, expert interviews, and he was saying how, you know, it's really helpful to have someone who you can speak to, really, really helpful, but also to have a plan. I mean, like, it's all very well being resilient at work, right? 
But yeah. if you don't have a plan of where you want to get to uh, before you've even started that new job or the new project, if you are the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, whatever it is, but without having a goal that you want to achieve, you can be as resilient as you like, but you're, you're, not, you're not going the right direction, are you? Correct. Yeah. That's like running very, very fast and very hard in the wrong direction. Yeah. So de definitely having a plan. And uh, I mean, as we go along, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about how we create our, our startups and, and our projects. And the first part or the first step in the three-step process that we have it's defining the, the vision and defining your, your, your solution that you're going to address a single objective. And so if you can, if you can put that in, in writing and you can clarify, you, you can clearly state that sort of like your elevator pitch or, or sort of your, your, your motto for the next three years, you, you need to be very clear about it and be able to, to phrase it properly so that you'll have a clear objective and be able to, to run in that direction and not lose sight of what's really important yeah yeah i mean I, I think it's you know you obviously work with a number of different different businesses some of them are going to have funding some of them are going to be probably funded by larger enterprises i would imagine these days because you've got the skills and the expertise to put in these uh these new sort of ventures i would call it a venture but it's uh what, what do you actually what do you actually do then in in within your your enterprise well, so so let me let me tell you a little bit about about our company. Uh, basically, uh, a few years ago, you have to imagine it's two o'clock in the morning. There are developers on the floor. Uh, you know they, they haven't slept for two days. There's no there's no more caffeine that can keep us alive. And we're trying to um, push forward a software package because our clients are expecting it, or investors are demanding us to to meet our, our deadlines. And there was just no no way forward. And that's, that's when it, you know, I, I feel that's when I hit hard bottom. And, and, you know, a few days later, a friend of mine called me and he said, hey, we need to launch this new startup. Can you come over? And, and we basically plan all these things, but we had to get started and we had to complete it in under 90 days. And of course, the way that we were doing software at that point or startups software was not going to cut it. We had to reinvent ourselves. And we came up with a process, uh, a methodology that allowed us to create this uh, amazing piece of software in under 90 days and success happened. We were able to do it uh, basically applying what we call now the startup technology framework. And, and it's a very easy process that any entrepreneur or entrepreneur, even if it's a small venture or a large venture, can apply to their, to their projects. And that is, that is what we do at Vantage.io right now. We, we try to, we, our goal is to help entrepreneurs and startups launch their ideas and turn them into reality. And that is our day-to-day. -day. This, is, this is what we do every day. It's just helping take those ideas uh, from small entrepreneurs all the way to enterprises and just turn them into, into reality as fast and as effective and efficient as possible. Right. Right. So, so really it's about just hitting, sometimes when you hit that rock bottom, it's, it's a really key driver, isn't it? Like you'll, you'll, you'll be trying to do all these things and you'll work really hard and lots of hours. And so the moment you hit that sort of rock bottom, it's almost like everything changes and, and you're pushed to do something completely different and reinvent yourself and reinvent what you're doing. Right. Yes. And that's where resilience comes in a lot because yeah. it's just when, when, when you're at the bottom where if you don't have that resilience and that objective, I mean, my objective has always been to create startups and grow startups. So if, if I didn't have that clear objective and I didn't have that resilience, um, I could just stay in the bottom. I could just keep on doing the same old things and, and doing the, 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 the processes the way we were doing before. But it's that resilience and that, that determination that helps us go from from those adversities and take them into turn them into into opportunities and transform them so that they can help you move forward and not push you down yeah yeah you, you have to I, I mean it's it, it's how it's how you achieve anything isn't it you know you you just you just keep keep doing it and keep keep focusing on what you're trying to achieve and no matter what you know if you get ubered in the way i mean that's what one of my one of my other uh, guests, he, he he talks about being Ubered, you know, and yeah. and it, it does happen, right? But like it's uh, it's just something that you need to just be aware of 
and not worry that you have to change direction. I mean, you might need to go around something or change your route slightly. But if you keep your end goal being a big, hairy goal, right, you're going to get there, aren't you? Exactly. Exactly. And you just mentioned the, the big, hairy goal. And that's something that, that we implemented um, uh, about a year ago into, into everything that we do. And in our case, is to help raise $1 billion through the startups that we help create and, and launch. So that is, that is our big, hairy goal at this point. By 2030. Yeah, we should do that. You should do yeah, that. we want to help raise $1 billion for the startups that we help create all the way from here until 2030. Yeah, I think that's achievable. You've got, you got plenty of time there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a 1 billion startup just two miles from here. So hopefully wow. we, we, we can help more than just one, but, uh, but it's definitely uh, a big hairy goal for us and, and something that's really passionate, uh, that we're very passionate about. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to being resilient at work, yeah, do you do you think that it's important to like take breaks, like regular breaks? If you're if you're on a computer all day or you're working really hard, like whether you're in a company or not, it doesn't matter. But like you could be resilient, but if you don't look after yourself, you're not gonna you're not gonna manage it, are you, to go the distance, right? Yes. Now, th there needs to be a balance. Uh, people talk about, you know, the life business balance. I, I don't separate them. For me, I'm, I'm passionate and I'm obsessive about my business and, yeah. uh, and the marketing and the projects that we do. Yeah. However, although my mind is always focused on that, there has to be, uh, I, I can't work four hours straight. I will, I'll have to complete a task. The, the way I like to do it, I think it's called the uh, Pomodoro um, uh, Method. Ah. Where I like to work for 45 minutes to an hour on a, on a very, very focused on a given task. Yeah. And then I'll stop and do something. I'll just go get coffee, make a call, do something that, that's not uh, part of my, my main task or my main goal for the day. Yeah. And then after 15 minutes, I'll come back and I'll spend another hour, two hours sometimes, uh, depending on the time. There's, there's morning people, there's afternoon people. Like if you sit me down at 9 p.m., I'll go straight until 2 in the morning. Right. So, so that's, that for me works, that those are my productive hours, but definitely there needs to be a little bit of, um, there needs to be breaks and you have to, this is where, especially if you're an employee of a, of a large company, um, when you get to the conference room or when you get to the, to the coffee maker machine, people are nowadays just looking at their phones, they're not connecting, they're just waiting for the, for the meeting to start looking at their phones, mm -hmm. but they're not creating relationships. And especially in large companies, you need to create those relationships. You need to create those partnerships. And those happen while you're waiting for a meeting to start. And those happen while you're, uh, you know, pouring yourself some coffee. And you have that, that small conversation and you realize that you have something in common with, with somebody that works with you and you create those partnerships. You will not move forward in an organization. If you're the best that there is, you will still not move forward if the one who's above you or the one who can make that decision doesn't know you or doesn't like you. So it, it's, it has to have both. So it all goes, it, it, and it comes back to your question as, should you take breaks? Well, yeah, you should look people in the eye at least once a day, say good morning, say goodbye, yeah. take some coffee and, and breathe so that you can actually focus for the next two hours in something that's meaningful and important to you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's really yep. important. Those those things are so important. You know, having conversations with people, it, it, yeah, it's it's fundamental to being happy in business. Like I was talking to the, the, some people from Microsoft. I'm just li going to literally release the episode in a few days, and you know, they were basically when people say to them, "I'm not here to make friends," like that's like a classic line, yeah, that people have. <laughs> yes, they just yes. they just they just look at them and think, "Well, you're not going to be here for long." <laughs> <laughs> you know and that's exactly. the case because you spend so much time at work these days and if you don't have people to support you then you can be as resilient as you like but it's like it's like it's like trying to swim upstream in a in a, in a really powerful river you're not going to do it yeah. you know you you're really not going to go anywhere and you know you will always fail if you if you try to you know just be different and not fit in it's just yeah, it's the way. And, and it goes back again to, to resiliency because if, if you don't have any friends or any, anybody that, that you like at the place that you work or your, your own company or you don't like your clients, you don't like your, your coworkers or, or your employers, 
you're not going to like going there. You're going to avoid waking up in the morning and driving there. Uh, for some people, it means waking up very early and driving two hours to work. Uh, it's really hard to be resilient if you don't have at least, I mean, you're going to have adversity, but you don't have to make adversity for yourself. You have to, you have to make friends. You have to like where you're going. You have to like your clients and you like, like your price. And yes, there's, there's, um, this is for all the millennials out there. Sometimes you're going to do stuff that you don't like to do, which is part of getting to your goal or getting to the goal of the team or the company that you work with. But ultimately, at least there needs to be some, a, a, a few positive uh, very positive things. One of them is definitely friendships and partnerships that you're going to make in those organizations that you're that you're part of. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is, don't forget that like where you are now. If you're a millennial listening to this, or even if you're in your forties or fifties or sixties, you know where you are now. You might not like it. You might not enjoy it. Yeah, but if you continue spending your time every evening watching rubbish on television yeah and then and then and then well wasting you're wasting your life away yeah because you could be studying and learning something new and that will take you to do something that you really enjoy yeah i mean yeah. i didn't i haven't always enjoyed work yeah you know and sometimes i have bad days but then that's life right and you get through, right. you get through it and you just you move forwards, yeah. You can you have to move forwards, right? No matter how slowly, yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 If 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 you don't move forward, you're 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 basically moving backwards. You're you're not staying in the same place. Progress yeah. is definitely the the key to to success and to to happiness in everything that, that you do. There needs to be even if it's small, tiny progress amounts, but it always needs to be in, yeah, moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So I know you, you know a lot about digital transformation with your background and, and I'm very interested in internet of things. Yeah. Because it, you know, it's just something I'm, I'm hugely interested in, especially, you know, as far as like, um, uh, enterprise resource planning software, um, uh, in terms of supply chain, et cetera. Right. But like, so I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about digital transformation. Sure. So um, just to give you um, your, your listeners a little more background, um, the last f- maybe 15 to 17 years I spent in in fairly amount of healthcare IT development. And we basically were developing software for managing the healthcare of patients in uh, small clinics and small physicians offices. And one day we got a call from uh, uh, Royal Caribbean, one of the cruise lines, uh, the largest cruise lines, one of the largest cruise lines in the world. And they needed to um, basically improve the way they were handling healthcare on board. Uh, so people that don't know, you know, you always think about beaches and, and drinks, but on board a cruise ship, there are anywhere from 700 to 2,000 crew members. These are employees that live there for 8, 10, or 12 months at a time. And they have healthcare issues, and they also have uh, wellness problems and all these things. And Royal Caribbean tried to approach large companies to get them to, to put the software in. They reached out to Microsoft, GE, Cerner, a lot of large players in the healthcare industry um, in, in, in healthcare software, and, and they just couldn't make it. And we, we had the technology, we had the team and, and the capabilities to go in and develop something for, for them. So we developed from the ground up a brand new software that was dedicated to managing healthcare on board. And this fundamentally transformed how cruise ships in the world right now use and manage healthcare. Uh, by three years after we launched the first ship in Royal Caribbean, um, all of the major cruise lines in the world were using this software, this piece of software that we did. Even the, the U.S. Coast Guard, uh, they have a program where every cruise ship, when it comes to port, they need to transmit information, and they were in, not enforced, but they were they were strongly suggesting that they had to use our software because it was uh, everything that they needed and and compliant and and secure the way they they wanted it. So all of this basically created a, a gigantic transformation for people on board and 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 onboard. You get everything from the from the waiter at a cruise line all the way to the director of medical operations at Carnival Corporation changing the way they handle healthcare and, and, and this is extremely important for them. So er, er, everything from how they documented the cases, the x-rays, their blood tests, everything 
changed. They were doing it on paper, and now they all, all of a sudden they had to do it with with a, with an iPad in front of them and computer and, and sending everything through email. And this this was a dramatic transformation for them, um, and it changed the life of everybody on board. Uh, so it, it definitely affected way more than 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 we initially thought it would, uh, in a very positive way, of course. Really. So, what sort of comments were you were you getting then, Samuel, from 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 the happy uh, team members? Well, definitely for for them to start off, they were pro. When when a waiter goes from one ship when one cruise ship to another, they had to carry a bunch of papers under their arm. They, they had to go <laughs> one another. So I can just imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had to carry their blood tests, and they had to carry all this all this uh, X rays and everything. Right. Because the next cruise doctor uh, needed to know who they are and, and what illnesses do they have and everything else. So from that point onward, uh, everything was just digital. And so they could just access their, their records from any ship and, and it would just get transferred. We, we had to file a patent for this. We, we implemented something called multi-master master replication through disconnected satellites because you have the ships going through, uh, you know, uh, through all parts of the world where you don't even get internet. I, I used to have better internet in 1997 than they do in some of the ships today. Oh yeah. And, I, I know what it's like having, it's yeah. awful. Like catching a ferry from here with, with like, oh, yeah. you know, to, <laughs> to Spain, like it's just, it's just rubbish, isn't it? Completely. So yeah. you had to use satellite instead of uh, internet, right? Well, so it, it's internet over satellite, but the bandwidth, um, it, it's just horrible. They, some of the biggest ships, uh, uh, three or four years ago, the biggest ship had four megabit bandwidth for the entire ship. <laughs> so you have to imagine that, and they prioritize it everywhere from voice communications, and it goes down all the way to internet, and then down below is medical internet. So, so we, if, if somebody was making a, a interesting call and telling family members how how they spend their day in the beach, uh, we had to wait for that call to finish to send or X-rays to the satellite. So it's it's very it's very <laughs> yeah. So and that's part of the digital transformation. We had yeah. to, to talk to this IT people in 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 different parts of the world, different companies. Uh, we're talking everything from Germany, Malaysia, uh, the UK, where you know Carnival Corporation has the headquarters, and we had to um, we had to convince this IT people to give us space on their ship for the servers we had to convince them to give us a little more bandwidth. Uh, we had to, to do all these transformations and have them shift from, uh, okay, everybody's gonna fax their documents or send them through, you know, uh, by paper, and now everything's gonna be digital, they're gonna lose the, the, the paper touch and the paper trail, and everything's gonna be digitalized, and it's gonna, be, it's gonna give more visibility, which is a good thing for some people, and it's a bad thing for some others, right? Because it also exposes um, inefficiencies and errors, and but at the same time, it also makes everybody more accountable and more productive. So, it's a it's a very um, interesting um, uh, experiment what we did there, and and the, the whole ecosystem how it changed, and we were able to see it and witness it uh, firsthand on, on how everything happened. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting time right now. Like, yeah, to just to just, to just watch what's going on out there in the world is. It's absolutely life changing for uh, for many people, you know. Yes, it really is. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a bit of a cough. So let me just let me just think if we can expand on this. So, what are the most interesting kind of developments? Do you think with Internet of Things in 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 your in your opinion? Well, I mean, I, I like to split Internet of Things into into two two main uh, realms. One is yes, the the devices that that we see everywhere. And, and the second part is the, the wearables. Everything that has to do with, with your body and, and, or, or your pet's bodies or you know, whatever it is that it's connected to your body. Um, most recently, we've been involved in developing a, a software for a company that's creating a wearable device that it's applied by your physician and it, it, it's applied behind your ear and they give you an, an application for your phone where you can administer doses of this treatment. Basically, it sends some electrical signals uh, right behind your ear. And it, it, if the studies are correct, it can help with blood pressure, it can help with substance abuse, mental health. It's a, it's a very you know, uh, life-changing um, technology, 
that when it goes out, um, you know, I, I can't disclose the name right now, but once it goes out, it's going to change the life of everybody. But you can imagine wow. that, yeah, back in the day, they, they, you, you, you wouldn't imagine that yourself, you're going to be pushing a button in your phone to give your brain electrical signals. I mean, you have to, you can't even go five years back and, and think about something this life-changing. And so all these things that are happening are, are just amazing. The other day, um, I was talking to, to a guy that works in shipping and logistics, and he was telling me how they go nowadays to warehouses. And we're not talking about the Amazons uh, of the world. We're talking about just regular small warehouses where the, the forklifts are automated. There, there's nobody in the, in the warehouse anymore. Yeah. They just go, they scan a paper, and the forklift you know, sends them a message, and the, the, the boxes and the pallets start coming out. And there's nobody to talk to. They just the pallets start piling up, and then you have to put them in your truck. But it's all of this internet of things that are that are just changing our world, and and people don't realize it. Mostly everything everything new today is connected to the internet. It it has some sort of sensor. It has some sort of intelligence, even if it's small or uh, or if you know there's there's curtain openers that you push a button and your curtains open, <laughs> your your blinds in your windows open. That's Internet of Things, and that has intelligence, and it's connected to your Wi-Fi, and it knows about you. And the more, the, the more that you connect all these devices, the more they will know about you. This is scary for some people, but it's also very exciting for some others because yeah. if used properly, um, it's, going to, it's going to change, uh, or, I mean, it's already changing our lives, but it's going to change it even in ways that we can't really imagine at this I've, point. I've got a good one for you, Samuel. You're going to yeah. like this. So... Let's just say you, you, you set up your home, yeah, so that you've got a detector for when your mother-in-law arrives. So 100 meters away, <laughs> your mother-in-law arrives, yeah, and then you fully automated, the lights go off and the curtains shut. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> My buddy was talking to me about that, but I just think... <laughs> There, it's we, like, we can have a prototype built for you in the next few days. <laughs> yeah, no, I bet you can. I bet you can. Yeah. Like, you know, these these things, it amazes me how cheap they are to manufacture as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm talking to some guys about uh, machine chips uh, quite recently, you know, and sensors and this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's kind of like, it's so cheap that it's almost like, it's almost like you, there's going to be, I was watching a video about this sort of ubiquitous box that can be used for anything. So it's kind of like you, 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 you literally have this box and it's, and you just plug the box straight into like your computer or your phone and, yeah. and, and, and you decide what you want it to do. And then you just plug in the sensors to it. Right. It's just, it, it, the world is going to change so dramatically. If you, if you think that the iWatch 4 has got an ECG machine on it, yeah like an ecg machine on a on a watch yeah, yeah. no no it's it's i, I I'm, I'm gonna tell you another funny one yeah. while we were on the ships um while we were on board and some of the requirements by by the doctors were well not the requirements but they told us a story and and every story basically or mostly every story turned into a requirement and into a feature in the system and they were telling us a story about a, uh, I don't know, a waiter and a bartender and, and they were a couple and they, you know, they got pregnant and they were going to have, they, they had to deliver the baby on board, but they were outside of, uh, I think they were outside of Bahamas, um, um, territorial waters. And so they didn't know exactly if the baby belonged to the father's country or the mother's country or to Bahamas, because it, it depends on where you were born. So they wanted us to put, literally, this is the request. They told us if we could put a baby locator button. So that when a baby was born, we could just push the button <laughs> and we would know immediately and exactly where, which location the ship was on when the baby was born into the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. really important. The tax implications and and, <laughs> yeah. and like if you get divorced in the wrong country, right, you, you could be in big trouble if that child is like from the wrong place. <laughs> it could be seriously <laughs> bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. Really yeah. interesting. So. So with digital transformation, yeah, mm -hmm. how, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process, I'm learning about uh, ERP systems like enterprise resource planning. Sure. Yeah? So 
how does digital transformation fit into ERP or the other way around? Like how, how would you go about it if you were to integrate? Sure. So one of the, the, um, the first tips of advice when, when it has to do with, with those large type of transformations, uh, when, when you're going to replace the ERP for, for a company, for a, even, if it's, even if it's a medium-sized company, um, you're going to impact the lives of, of a lot of people. Um, and again, this is people that spend eight to 10 hours a day doing this for the last five to 10 years, yeah. doing it one way. So the first thing is to, to realize if you actually need to make that change, because sometimes it's just um, a flashy sales presentation and, and, and a lot of uh, noise or buzz on the internet about this new CRM or this new ERP software that does something amazing. But the reality is that that's something amazing only works if all your history and all your stuff is well kept and well done and odds are 99% of the time it's not. Just to give you an example, there was a company that was implementing a CRM that had some business intelligence, some artificial intelligence built into it and it could detect which was the best deal or the best prospect to call. So, you know, all the, all the, all the flashy things that, that we hear about that artificial intelligence can do. And this company was about to switch. Well, actually, they switched uh, in the last few weeks. They, they, they switched to this new platform because they were promised this. The problem is that they're, they're, there's a step called data sanitation. And if your data is not clean and organized in a way that this new software can process, it's not going to work. It's just going to be a different screen. It's going to be a different process, but it's going to do exactly the same or very similar to what you were used to be doing before. So the very first thing is to just understand, do we, do we really need this? And are we really prepared to make this change? Because if not, you can, you know, you're, you're going to switch the system and then wait three years to sanitize your data. You might as well just stay in your old system and begin that sanitation now, save that money for three years down the road when better and more improved software uh, comes out. So the, the other thing that I, that I like to ask uh, management before even considering changing a software piece, and this goes even to your small, um, to the small entrepreneurs, and we we do this very often. I I analyze tools every week because I I like looking at tools uh, for everything, from marketing automation to code review to um, UI design, everything that that that's new. I like to use it for a little bit and see if it's going to work for us. Yeah. But in reality, I I only use four or five tools, and and it's really hard for it any other tool to come and take the place of, you know, I use Trello for everything. So it, 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 it's not as much as ERP, right? It's, it's just for task management software. It, it works. It, I don't need a fancy AI or a fancy system to track our task. Trello does that for us. I'm, I'm not affiliated or anything with Trello, but, it, you know, I, we like that software a lot. And every week I look at other softwares that try to replicate, emulate, or improve on what Trello does. And yet some of them are, are cool and, and interesting, but for me to change the way that uh, my project managers work and my developers work, just because an extra feature, it's not worth it. And if it's not worth for me with you know, 10 or 15 people, it's definitely not worth impact, negatively impacting the life of 100, 200, or 1,000 people when you implement uh, a, ERP, a new ERP or a new CRM. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult call, isn't it? Because you've also got that culture change play with with uh, with everything, you know. Um, yeah. Which 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 is kind of that's kind of like one of the biggest issues, isn't it? With 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 putting in a new. I mean, let's just say you're you you're going in and you're putting an ERP in, right? And you're mm -hmm. totally transforming that business from you know, all sorts of different data stacks in all sorts of different departments and you're putting in a full ERP system, right? To, to, yeah. to systemize every process in that business, yeah? And, and the CFO wants, wants to make sure you streamline everything so you can keep up with your competition and everything else. But like, if the enterprise, you know, uh, has a load of people and they're not behind it, you're in big trouble because it it's going to have, people are going to leave and we're going to have all sorts of problems there, yeah? Exactly. So one of the things, uh, going back to, to, to my days with the, with the cruise industry, one of the factors for success, um, again, it's, it, it was that partnership or that um, 
relationship that we had with what we call the, the champion, the, the corporate champion of the product. So we had, of course, internally, we had the, the, the leaders, the architects, the salespeople and everything else. But in each of the, corp- each of the large cruise lines, we had somebody that was uh, or, or ally inside that was pushing forward for us, that was helping us. And it was giving us that information that, 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 that we needed to convince other players. So if, if accounting needed something very specific, we were able to talk to them, listen to them so that we could get their buy-in. And then we, when we went to the nurse director, we, were, we knew exactly what they needed. So it was having that, that partnership inside, uh, having that, um, that partner inside that could help us and it's again it go back to that relationship building, right? Where if you if you don't get that buying from all the departments and all the people that you're going to impact, it's going to be really hard. Um, you're not going to be able to push a, a grassroots movement in a large corporation like this. You need to get the buying from the influential people, and you need to know what makes everybody tick and 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 convince them in in a certain way. And it goes the same for for everything. Even if you're doing, uh, even if you're selling widgets and you're selling one to door to door widgets, if you, if you have some sort of relationship and you have some buying from from inside that that household or in, inside that small company that's looking for for your widget, you're gonna be more successful in selling them and servicing them because otherwise you're just talking strangers and might as well just put a classified ad and sell your stuff. You wanna um, bring that value that that you that you can actually improve their lives and improve everything that they're doing day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? When you, when you, when you look and you see how many companies are not around these days that were huge players. Like if you, if you look at, uh, what let's look at blockbuster. Yeah. (laughs) Um, apparently I believe they had, um, the CEO at the time actually launched his, he launched something which Mm -hmm. could have actually saved the business, but Mm -hmm. the management team, uh, stopped him. (laughs) Well, it it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, the, the, the reality is that they could have been Netflix (laughs) today. They, I, I don't know this. I don't know. I don't know that story in particular, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if they had somebody, even the CEO or somebody down below had maybe that initiative was saying, hey, let's let's switch to streaming before or let's do something else to to catch up, you know, with, with, with the times because at, before Netflix, everything was just going to the store and getting up your, getting your, your DVD in your hand or, or your DHS. Yeah. And, and they had to, a lot of people probably saw it. They, they, they saw it coming. Netflix did, and at Xfinity, Comcast, the, the cable provider, yeah. saw it. They, 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 they have been very successful at it, and not, not a lot of people um, probably outside of the U.S. knows this, but you know, Xfinity, the cable company, have been investing massively into streaming, and they had yeah. all this. It's, it's been a five- to seven-year uh, project for Xfinity to transform into, into a digital streaming company. Uh, so there's all these people that, that saw this. Some of them took action. And if these people at, at Blockbuster didn't get the buy-in, they, they couldn't convince enough people. Um, and it goes, we're going back to resiliency and relationships. If, if somebody had enough cloud and enough power to convince them and, and, and transfer that vision to everybody in the team and convincing them that the way they were doing business for the last 30 years was not going to work, uh, in 2010, or, uh, or I don't know when they closed the door, 2008, um, they probably would have made a change and they probably would still be around and they we would have another option besides Netflix yeah. and Hulu, <laughs> right? Yeah, but, but then that goes back to the culture of the business. It goes back to the management being coherent and being able to fit with the other people within the business, right? Like, and there's yes. no difference with, with internet of things. Yeah. If, if you, if you, if you, if you're installing an ERP system, right. And you've got your ER, let's say you've already got your ERP system and you're all, you're all kitted out. Yeah. Each department within that business, depending on what sort of business it is, because all businesses are different, right. They're all mm-hmm. going to have opportunity to have internet of things and sensors with, you know, fully traceable product, if it's a physical product, et cetera, et cetera, right? So each department is going to be able to 
plug in to something far greater than what it's at now, right? But the, but the thing is, without the culture, without a culture of improvement, daily improvement, innovation, yeah, they're not going to be able to improve that, that business fast, right? Yes. Now, and I go back to, to a point where, first of all, it needs to make sense to, I mean, it always makes sense to improve. The, the, the question is, if that new shiny object is going to really improve or is going to be more of a, you know, a flashy new thing. And so I'm all for improvement, but I do like um, iterative improvement. So I do like to, okay, we're going to change something. Let's just make sure that we change a little piece um, and a little piece to start. And then once we're in and we have proven that, that this actually improves the lives of um, accounting department, then sales is going to want it. And then marketing is going to want it too, and management is going to want it as well. So um, it goes back again to also how we do with this with uh, with our company. We like to focus a lot on MVPs, minimal viable products. Yeah. When people come up with us to with with great ideas, it's not like we shut them down, but we like to 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 transform their idea from a bulldozer into a little sniper that can go behind enemy lines, convince people, change their lives, and then then from the from the inside transform everything else so it, you can't just say we're going to put a new erp everybody shut down their computer reboot and you have a new erp because it's going to create chaos especially if you're if you're a large organization but if you can convince a small group of people to improve a little bit if you say we're going to start cleaning our data for the next three months and then we're going to put this little component that's going to make your life easier and you show them, uh, you know, six months down the line, you show everybody else how they're having more, more productivity, how they're achieving their goals better. Then you can, then people are going to chase you to, to, to be next instead of you having to choose volunteers of who wants to, to alter their workflow dramatically. And, and it's, it, it basically, it helps a lot to have those um, uh, abilities to, to change small with small increments instead of having to transform everything all at once. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, so you as a chief finance officer, what would you, would you actually go through the whole business in your mind and say, well, these are the areas that we could improve uh, from the, on the bottom line the most, and you would start there? Or how, how would you if, you, if you were the CEO and the CFO was sitting next to you, how would you decide on which parts of the business to uh, focus on first. Well, the, the the one that would benefit the most with the least amount of change. So if we have a large company, we're we're a hundred salespeople, but we have a small marketing team. Well, let's go and and change something for the marketing team so that they can provide more leads to the salespeople. And if we can prove that that, that this whole new automated system works for marketing, I'm sure. And you know, we have that five guys marketing team. Uh, if, if it works for them, then I can go to the 100 salespeople and have them change. Um, I won't be able to do it day one, but definitely three or six months down the line when I can prove that it, I can go and tell them, you, you got more leads in the last few months. Guess what? It was because of this. Now it's your turn to, to change. So the, the, the word that the, there's the least amount of resistance and the most uh, 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 benefit, sort of like the, low, the lowest hanging fruit. Uh, if you're in a large warehouse, then, you know, what is your biggest problem? Is it the receiving? Is it um, uh, shipping? Where is it that you're having those, those problems the most? And where is it going to impact the least? Because you want to make this change without disturbing too many people. And yeah. once it's in, it's like, like, it's, it's like you're, you're behind enemy lines uh, spy. Once he's in, he can convince everybody. Once you change a little piece of the business, and it works and, and people can see how it worked and the process went uh, through, then they'll be chasing you to change them and not the other way around. Right, right. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, Internet of Things is, is, is also very risky, though, isn't it, from a, from a, from a security uh, standpoint? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a lot of, um, there's been a lot of talks from all the large manufacturers on how to standardize that and how to make everything secure because, um, you know, we were discussing there, there's all these cheap devices. You, you can buy anything on Amazon under, you know, $30, $40, and you can create an, uh, an IoT device very quickly if you have the skills. You yeah. know, within a couple hours, you, you could have 
uh, motion detection camera on, uh, on, 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 your, on your front door, but um, if you just spend a few hours on that, probably you didn't implement enough security. Anybody could just go and start snooping and, and looking through your camera because everything gets connected. So there's a lot of concerns, but there's also there's you know common sense. So back in the day, everybody just had their computers open, no no firewalls, no passwords, and um, you know there were some savvy users, and they they knew that this was going to happen. There would just be it wasn't being enforced back then, and you just had to do it on your own. I think it's the same for IoT devices. Um, we had some baby monitoring cameras a few years ago that we bought to to you know for for kids, and the cameras basically came with the default password. There was no easy way to change it. So guess what? They they had the default password until we saw the news articles that people were hacking into those and scaring kids. <laughs> so quickly enough, we went and changed all the passwords, put firewalls in. Nowadays, everything comes with that security built in. It doesn't come with a default password. It, it forces you to set up a, a new password as soon as you install it. So manufacturers are learning this. Uh, consumers are getting more and more educated. So now you, you talk to most consumers um, and they'll know what a VPN is. They'll know what a firewall is. And so with IoT, it's now, it's a given. It's like, well, it, it needs to, it probably has some sort of security already. And so if, it, if it's not, then these manufacturers are moving forward and I hope they'll, they'll do this more and more because there's always that 20% of the population that, that's not going to care or not going to know about this and they'll just put in their camera and they'll, they won't know that they need to make these changes. Yeah, but that goes for all of it. I mean, if you put a new router in, you know, anything at home is so risky. Like it's, it's, it's to the point of actually the awareness. People just don't know, like they really don't know. I speak to a lot of security experts and they've got no idea, most people. And certainly yeah. in England, um, because it's like, oh, I'm not a techie is kind of how people look at it. And it's like, well, actually, do you want people getting into your machine and having a look around? You know, okay. it's kind of, kind of where we're at. Have you got a virus protection? Oh, no, I haven't got one. It's like, well, why haven't you got a virus protection? When you go click that link, you're going to ruin your whole machine, yeah? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it is a worry, I think, for some people. But so that's, that's really interesting conversation. So what are your favorite internet of things devices that you that you like the most hmm well definitely um i'm a fan of the nest camera <laughs> it's it's one of the the best devices i mean it, if, if you look at my kid's bedroom it looks like a like a movie studio uh for some reason my wife wanted to get like eight or ten different cameras and we have like every single angle covered <laughs> every, every camera was different manufacturers we we just we and then one broke and we got another one but really the one that that stands out is the nest because uh again i'm not affiliated with nest or or google or anything like that but you plug in the camera and the you know it's a small wizard guides you through setting it up just with a barcode scan and in a couple of minutes you're you're up and running and even the interface of how you scroll up and down the, the, the video timeline, it's amazing. It's so amazing that, that we actually implemented that similar timeline for an audio application that we're creating for the, the uh, law and legal reporting industry. So because they need to record audio and, and be able to scroll fast back and forth. So we, we emulated the same sort of the same system. It's amazing. It's just uh, out of this world and how easy they, they made it. Other than that, I, I, I haven't installed many consumer products um, for myself. Uh, believe it or not, I, I just have my uh, Alexa and, and the Nest cameras and that's it. But um, on, the, on the other front, there's all this massive amount of IoT devices um, and everything's so interesting. We, we found the other day one that detects pollution. There's one that can detect if, you're, if your grass needs irrigation. Um, there's there's all this interesting, especially in, in agriculture for some reason, it's taking off so dramatically and it, it improves the lives of so many people because they don't have to uh, they don't have to like go and take the samples every week. Now they just go in into a into a console, push a button, and they get all the readings that they needed for uh, a lot of uh, acres of, of land. So all those are extremely interesting to me, especially the ones in, in agriculture. Healthcare definitely—it's—it's it's one of my favorite ones. 
uh, but those are, you know, due to the regulation uh, slow process and everything else, it's still going to be a way um, a little bit until we get a lot of those newer products coming out. But those are extremely interesting, especially the ones that are not invasive that don't require that much um, that much uh, regulation uh, are starting to come out. There's a continuous reading for glucose where you just put up, put the device and you scan it with your phone uh, every time that you need it and it's continuously reading glucose without pinching. It's, it's amazing. Everything that, that wow. we're going to see in the next years is going to, is, is going to blow our minds away. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. so for diabetics, that's huge, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine, you know, back in the day, well, even today, a lot of people just have to, you know, use needles, pinch their needle, yeah. uh, their fingers once yeah. a day or twice a day. Now they just go with their phone, scan their arm, and uh, they have a little a wearable on their arm, and it tells them continuously reading off uh, of glucose. It's it's amazing. Wow, that's revolution. That's revolutionary, completely. It's, it's or or the application that, that we make. I mean, just just think about the implications of you going to. F- first of all, it's something that that or in in the U.S. Of course, everything has to be uh, uh, coded so that it will be built, and the insurance will pay for it. Mm-hmm. This treatment that we're talking about, it's it's coded, it's coded already. It's going to be paid by insurances and paid by Medicare. So you can go to you can go to your doctor. They'll they'll you know they'll say you have um, you know mental uh, a mental condition or substance abuse, and instead of just sending you with some pills or sending you to um, uh, somewhere else, they're gonna put a little device behind your ear that's not even noticeable. And download an app on your on your phone, and so every two hours you'll push the button, give yourself um, the the electrical stimulation, and it's going to help you um, uh, take the, that anxiety away and take that substance abuse and lower it. So it's it's incredible. Just think about uh, you know five years ago or ten years ago, people wouldn't even think about anything like this going on um, at, at the rate that we're seeing it today. Wow. Wow. So, so that is going to regulate the, uh, the person's um, brain and the happiness levels, right? Well, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't disclose so much of the deal, but, but basically it measures uh, an imbalance with your, um, the frequency of the heartbeats and the electricity that your body generates mm-hmm. and it helps you stabilize that. And it, it's, it, they have studies where they demonstrate how it lowers blood pressure, it lowers stress levels, and it also helps with substance abuse um, uh, conditions. And they, they have the studies. They, they have demonstrated that that technology uh, or that stimulation works. Mm. And they're putting it into a, into a product that's going to be a consumer-facing product. You, you just go to your doctor and, and he'll be able to, to set it up for you. Just because there's very precise points where it needs to be applied. But there's some other technologies where it's not that precise. Where you just go, you're going to go to your neighbor's pharmacy by this wristband and it's going to tell you information or it's going to provide with certain um, uh, uh, therapies that will help you with your, with your conditions or, or to help improve your, 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 your body. It's, it's just amazing. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. so I can't, yeah, that's, that's absolutely amazing. I mean, I think the, the, the challenge is, is, is getting people to adopt these things fast enough so that they're actually, they actually grow. I mean, do you think we're at the right time now to uh, to adopt these new technologies? Absolutely. Yeah. It, so everything, everything. There's going to be two groups of people. There's a group of people that that get scared or that are against that transformation. And depending on where you are in life, you're, you you'll feel one way or another. Uh, so. You know, or parents where, you know, would never think about, uh, you know, calling somebody or, or texting somebody to wish them a happy birthday. And, and this is what we do today. Um, even, you know, when, when, when people would completely be against uh, even sending a letter, they would have to go in person and see face to face. Nowadays, it's like everything's, you know, it's through, through, the, through the online camera and, the, and your, your FaceTime and everything else. So there's all this transformation that it's happening. Um, there's going to be a generational change. There's going to be a cultural change. Um, but definitely, if, if you get past this, the, the, the scaring phase and get past the, the cultural, you'll, you'll, you'll realize how this improves your life. Now, again, with, a, with some balance. Uh, I said the, 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 
the scenario where you're in the, you know, you're in the business in in a conference room, just waiting for the conference to start, mm. and you look around and everybody's just uh, you glued to their to their phone. They're checking Instagram, they're checking the news, and they're not building relationships. They're not looking at each other and saying, "Hey, what, what did you do last night? What what are you doing this weekend?" Yeah. And so they're they're not. You have to be careful not to lose touch of. There's there's a commercial that says like the inter. I think it was a commercial, a documentary where. Uh, they created the internet to connect people, not to connect devices, not to pe- leave people in a basement just watching, binge watching Netflix for for three days straight, or or doing everything online. They created all this technology was to connect people. Um, this podcast, this opportunity to express our ideas, meet people, connect connect with them, and then um, you know um, re refeed our own ideas and come up with new ones, and that's. That's very important, not, not to lose sight of the humanity behind all this revolution that it's in front of us. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm completely blown away, you know, by this. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like in my 40s, right? I'm just like my early 40s. And <laughs> growing, growing up with, you know, uh, what, three, we had three channels when I grew up in on the <laughs> television, right? And, yeah. like, you know, I remember mobile phones coming in and, you know, and it's like it's just a bizarre state of affairs when you go when you look at how fast things are moving. Um, but I think I think we need to be very aware of the security issues with certainly some of the chips, the chips that are being manufactured in certain countries. We can't really talk about that on this uh, in too much detail, um, yeah. because you know I don't want to get involved with with that. Um, <laughs> but you know we're in a, we're at a place right now where the people that know what they're doing can monitor you quite easily so it's it's a bit of a funny one isn't it you, you you know you either embrace it and go you know all in or you're kind of a bit more cautious and i think a lot of people are very cautious in in how they're approaching yeah. things certainly my dad's age i mean he's 85 he's embracing his iphone 8 yeah and mm-hmm. you yeah. know learning how to use an iphone 8 at the age of 85 is an interesting experience for him um, <laughs> because it because it's blowing his mind because the capabilities of, of these devices yeah. are just huge, aren't they? Really, so yeah. yeah, it's um it's certainly an interesting time. But I think it's going to transform a lot of medicine as well, isn't it? You know, like you were saying with with health monitoring, um, personalized drugs. There are just so many so many innovations coming along that it's oh yeah, it's oh yeah. We, we haven't even talked about. Uh, as you said, personalized drugs and personalized treatments. Um, but I think that, that, especially for healthcare, the key, the key of the you know the, the the foundation of the scientific process, which is observation, and that's how every medicine and therapy it's created, at least in the in the U.S., where it has to go through this uh, very strict FDA process and, and yeah. lengthy process. Yeah, it, it, it's based on observation. And so the biggest problem we've always had is, okay, so you, you need to, obs- to, to do the observations. You need those metrics to be able to know if something worked or not and what. So nowadays, imagine if you, know, if you can just connect yourself and, and be able to get all your readings, which we already doing on the iPhone and, and I'm sure yeah. on Android too, where yeah. you get all these readings and you can get many more. You can get now your glucose levels and blood pressure and all these things that you can yeah. measure down to the, to the millisecond. And so you combine those observations with um, with uh, medical um, uh, experiments and, and, and all these uh, processes that they need to take place to approve a drug, and it will have to speed up. There's no way that, that, that it stays the same speed that it's been for the last uh, 50 or 100 years, where the FDA takes five to 10 years until all the medical, yeah. uh, uh, the, the whole approval process goes by. Um, it will have to accelerate, and I I I know they're in the talks to to change this. The um, the last director of the FDA was a little bit against it, but they but it's it's just going to happen. It's yeah. it's going to happen where where this accelerates everything, um, taking care of of safety, of course. You you don't want to just put a medication out there that's going to to hurt somebody, but uh, but definitely with safety in mind, it's going to accelerate that uh, tremendously. Yeah, well, it's going to transform so many people's lives in all areas, isn't it? Internet of Things and digital transformations, just massive. So, look, I'm going to leave you to it. It's been a real joy. So, how do people find you to to learn more about what you're up to, Samuel? Sure. Yeah. So, 
Um, we prepare a special um, uh, offer for the listeners of your podcast. If your visitors go to vantageio.com slash build business acumen, that's vantageio.com slash build business acumen, you're going to see uh, there's going to be a little form. And for all your entrepreneurs, regardless if you're in the very early stage, late stage, or in your growth stage, we have something for you. It's, it's a free 30 minutes consultation where we go through the, through, the, through the startup technology framework assessment. We help clarify your problem. We help define how your solution will look like, your technology assessment, and your roadmap planning. So by the end of that call, you're going to have all these um, uh, documents and all these answers for you. It's a completely free service that we're offering to your listeners. So um, you can go there. You can visit us at vantageio.com. You can follow us on Instagram at S. Morhaim, which is my, my first name, my first letter, my last name, S. Morhaim. And um, we'd love to talk to all of you and, and hear everything you, you guys have to say and hear the feedback from this podcast. But um, also, it's just been a, an honor being here and sharing all these experiences with you. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe and wherever you prefer, share with your friends. And if you enjoyed the show, drop us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.